Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today, man? It's good. It's good. Just uh, been chilling. Not too, uh, nothing too crazy going on for me. Obviously, we're gearing up a uh, little by little here. The draft's coming up, and then it's going to be like a super short uh, free agency, I would imagine. Probably like a week long. I don't even know how they're going to do that. Uh, and then, yeah, the season's going to be here sooner than we realize. Yeah, exactly. It's Everything has really come full circle, and with the draft about a week away, I mean, there's a lot of rumors we're starting to see pop up, and we're going to discuss some of those on this episode. But uh, more importantly, I mean, this is a this is a big episode for us because this is the 100th uh, show of Bulls Gold. So, I mean, man, it's taken about... This has been like a year and a half, maybe two years, I think. Yeah, two years. I think uh, you had started originally, I think, summer of 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, you brought me on, I think, episode six. And we've been grinding, man. It's it's crazy to think that we're at 100 episodes. It's, it really is. It's, it's wild. Yeah, a lot has happened uh, since we started this show. It started in 2018. 18 and I remember talking about the Jabari Parker signing and it's just I mean man the Jabari Parker signing doesn't feel like it feels so far away but it doesn't at the same time and we were talking about how excited we were about Jabari Parker being with the Bulls and having this young lineup of, of future potential all-stars I don't know and then Jabari Parker wasn't that good and then we traded him like half a season into it but it's it's been a fun ride Salim's been amazing. We've been having some really fun guests on these shows these past couple of years, and we just want to give a big uh, thank you to our listeners. Definitely couldn't make it this far without you guys, and we're just looking forward to putting out some more shows. And one of the guests who we've had on the show for a, a, a while, I, I can't remember how yeah. many episodes now. Yeah, but. We, we've we've had we've had uh, we've had him on quite a few times, and he's. One of our uh, one of our best go to guests for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And he 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 has his star has been brightening like really really hard lately. And we were just talking about it before we started recording. And uh, of course, I'm talking about Corey Talaba of the Hardwood Herald. And Corey, man, we've had you on a lot. We always appreciate your draft knowledge, your NBA knowledge. One of our favorite guests, man. Thanks for joining us on this 100th edition of Bulls Gold. Man, guys, thank you for having me. Congrats. It's a huge milestone. Um, I'm really stoked to be here. Like, you know, I mentioned all the time, you guys were the first people to reach out to me in any kind of media capacity. So, you know, this podcast always is uh, near and dear to my heart. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to finally talk about the draft in, in a very real sense since, uh, it's it's coming up finally. So yeah, yeah. thanks for having me and, and let's do it. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get right into it. So we've we've been talking for weeks now about who the Bulls could pick. We've been breaking down the prospects and with the draft less than a week away, there are a lot of rumors now about who's going where, who might trade up, who might trade down, who might just trade out. But the one consistent thing so far is that Nobody knows what the Chicago Bulls are doing. And of course, you can attribute that to a new front office. And I feel like that's a, a 
pretty regular thing when you have a new front office because reporters don't really have the leaks yet and nobody can really get into that you know brain trust right now but the Chicago Bulls remain a mystery with the number four overall pick but this is what uh ESPN has about LaMelo Ball right now and it says most teams are entering the NBA draft with the assumption that LaMelo Ball will be selected number one in the draft and right now that pick currently belongs to the Minnesota Timberwolves but that doesn't mean they will keep it and per ESPN multiple teams are contemplating a move up with the list including the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons now ESPN also lists Oklahoma City Thunder as a team that may be interested in the number one pick as well we don't know if that will happen, but there, there are a lot of different names being like floated around for the number one overall pick. Of course, LaMelo Ball and the Chicago Bulls are a popular team to mention in the trade rumors, quite simply because, again, we don't know what they're doing, and there's always a possibility that they could move up. So, Corey, based on what we, this information we have today from ESPN, what would you think about the Chicago Bulls potentially moving up for LaMelo Ball, and if they don't move up, do you still think that he would be someone that you would consider at number four? Yeah, so it's funny that, you know, this new news came out about LaMelo possibly being the number one pick because all last week we heard he was dropping down boards and that he wasn't even going to go in possibly the top five. So mm-hmm. it seems like this draft has just become one huge smokescreen for, for so many different people from agents to executives to media. And everyone's just trying to, you know, kind of keep up with their own agendas. And, uh, you know, uh, LaMelo, he's, he's always interesting. It feels like the first time we talked about him on this podcast was, uh, like five years ago, (laughs) but you know, he, uh, I do think that there is actually a slight chance that he is on the board when the Bulls pick, I, you know, as far as trading up, what's it going to take to to trade up? I mean, it, you know, we also heard that Laurie's not on the table, um, and mm. so so what is? I mean, who are who are you moving to to move up assets? And and then if he's there, I mean, you know, look, I don't know as far as decision making goes, what kind of you know input and say uh, AK had in the Denver front office. Obviously, it seems like he he was a, a big part and, and had a big say in it. But you look at the track record in Denver and you, of recent times, you got Michael Porter Jr., Bull Bull. It seems like, you know, that front office wasn't afraid to take a shot on these prospects that are kind of like, you know, question mark guys. And LaMelo is certainly a question mark guy. And, you know, there's guys all over the map on him. So it would not shock me at all if LaMelo was kind of a guy that the Bulls were, were checking into and, and doing their homework on. I mean, it's <laughs> as far as what's going to happen, who knows? I, that's kind of the fun thing about having a new front office is that there's not really a track record of, of anything to go on outside of uh, hearsay. So it, it's going to be interesting, but I, I would definitely keep an eye on, on LaMelo. I mean, it, there's a, a lot of people who, who do talk highly of him as much as, uh, you know, he's a question mark. I, I almost feel like the Warriors are creating all this, like, fake rumors. <laughs> just because they're trying, to, they're trying to get the value of that second pick higher. Because, obviously, this draft is such a a uh, crapshoot that that 
second pick overall pick is not as valuable as most certain most drafts are generally because you've we've seen so many reports that all oh, the the Warriors are interested at, at Via they're interested in Wiseman oh they may take Anthony Edwards if he's there or you know all these random names that keep coming up on them and then you're you're hearing that teams are wanting to move up to the second so maybe they they threw the Bulls in there just as a team, just because they know that yeah, the Bulls have interest in Mel- Lamelo. So I, it just feels like that because like when you see that report from Zach Lowe where he's saying teams actually don't have any clue what the Bulls want to do because AK is so tight lip, and and really it makes sense that's more accurate because we saw how the off season went when he was you know contemplating Jim Boylan's future. It was generally very tight-lipped. We didn't really hear a lot. I mean, it was maybe mostly like Joe Cowley. I don't know if he was necessarily making things up, but it was just a lot of like hearsay stuff. It wasn't actually any validity to mm-hmm. anything that AK wanted to do or what his thoughts were. And then it kind of hit us by surprise. Like, yep, Jim Bowen's gone. So I, I definitely think that it is more so where no one really knows what the Bulls want to do. And... The other thing I'm worried about, I'm not worried about, I, I didn't really listen to the full um, clip of the Zach Lowe, uh, the podcast. I, I just saw, I read bits of it. And I'll, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, Corey, is he mentioned Lowry again, as Edward brought up, that Lowry being someone maybe is more untouchable for, for AK. I almost feel like that's AK doing just, he doesn't want to set up a situation where he lowers the value of Larry Markinen if if and when he does want to trade him. Because in past regime with John Paxson and Gar Foreman, we saw situations arise where they wanted to trade Chris Dunn, but they made it very <laughs> obvious that they wanted to trade Chris Dunn. So granted, Chris Dunn's value had gone down as is because uh, of his play, but I don't think they helped that on their end and, and that ended up trying to trade him and then they couldn't get any, any type of value in return from him. So my thoughts are that I don't necessarily take too much into that, that little tidbit is the low post as far as them wanting to trade, not trade Larry, but I, I would lo- love to hear your thoughts on that as far as uh, if you heard the full clip and, and what you, what would be your overall thoughts on all of the stuff that, you know, popped up about the bulls. Yeah, I only heard like a 15 second snippet of that particular, um, you know, topic. So I, I don't know what the full context is, but I think I tend to agree with you in that it, I, to say that Laurie's untouchable, I think is a bit of a stretch, you know, mm-hmm. to say that maybe they're not looking to trade him is a completely different thing. And that's probably something that I, I agree with. I don't know why necessarily you would want to trade him at what's seemingly going to be his lowest value. So if there was going to be a trade, uh, you know, I would think that it would be in season at the deadline, whenever that may be. Um, And just to see what he could be under Billy Donovan. I I mean, if they really are super high on him, then, you know, maybe he's, he's showing a lot in, you know, his his off season training that is given reason to be optimistic, but I I tend to agree that it's more of a smoke screen. I, I think that, if there was a package that was worth trading Laurie, it would be silly not to look into it and, and pull the trigger on it. It was going to benefit the team, you know, in 
the future. So I, I think that again, it's just like, who knows with this front office, they're like you said, they're very tight lipped. I, I mean, nobody really had anything, you know, all of the, the insiders, uh, you know, kind of don't have a feel for this front office. I think the only real source that I kind of trust is Woj, you know, Woj, I think has, you know, he's got a, a relationship with Karnasovas. So I, I think when he breaks stuff and, and if there's any kind of leak, if it comes from Woj, I'll trust it. Otherwise I, I think I'm taking everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. I think, I think Celine made a good point that when, the Bulls were going through the whole Boylan saga and Jim Boylan or not Jim Boylan, uh, Joe Cowley was, uh, you know, he was uh, sharing those columns that he wrote and he was making it sound like definitive decisions had been made on keeping Jim Boylan and he was staying around and then all of a sudden just out the blue, he's gone. And then, of course, with Billy Donovan and the head coaching search, we really did not know who the favorite was even before Billy Donovan was available. And then when, even when Billy Donovan became available, we really didn't know, like that came together during an entire week and they courted him and it came together fast, even though Billy, and Billy Donovan said that, you know, he, he didn't really envision going to the Bulls at first, but when he talked to AK, when he talked to Eversley, that all of a sudden it just kind of became a seamless fit. So I agree that it does feel like whatever the Bulls have planned right now, we're not going to know about it until draft night. But I I do want to go back to what you said earlier about LaMelo Ball. And to me, that's what's so fascinating about what could happen is that we know that under the John Paxson Gar Foreman era, the Chicago Bulls rarely took chances on players or in situations that had red flags or that had you know potential baggage like Tyrus Thomas might have been the most enigmatic pick I think you could really say in terms of personality and whatnot that they made under that regime but when you look at what Denver has done taking someone like Michael Porter Jr. who had the injury concerns taking someone like Bobo who had a lot of character concerns and his draft stock plummeted so you look at LaMelo Ball and there's no question there's talent there. There's no question that in terms of playmaking, he is one of the best players in this draft and he can do things that no player on this current Bulls team can do. So it's almost like to me, it's a test of what a new culture in Chicago can do. If they can take LaMelo Ball and they can get the best out of him and his personality is almost rendered to a non-concern if something like that were to happen i think it would be really i think it would be really worth doing and i think if they do it then they feel really confident about it they feel like eversley donovan ak they feel like they can get the best out of it and that all of the other stuff is just not really going to be a concern so i don't know like i i even though i do have some concerns myself about what Lamelo ball is going to do with the next level I still lean more towards like, I'd be fine taking a shot at four. I don't know if I'd move up at one, but if he's there at four, I'd be really tempted. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong on that. I mean, you know, we've had the the Lamello conversation before and, Mm. and uh, I've certainly had my qualms about him 
you know, but there's no question that the upside is, is ridiculous with him. And, and if, look, if you're putting all of these uh, like player development guys together, you've got this great staff, this new coach who, you know, has a history of working with, uh, you know, really talented young guys. I mean, you see how, Joe Kim Noah and uh, Bradley Beal come out and, and have supported Billy Donovan. So if the coaching staff and the organization thinks that they can, you know, kind of get a handle on LaMelo and turn him into a player. I, I mean, that to me is, is enough justification to, you know, give them the trust that, you know, obviously, you know, we got a pretty decent track record with the past regime, but like you said, they Tyrus Thomas was kind of the last guy that you probably said, wow, like, shocker you know (laughs) typically they they were they played it safe so if we got guys who were willing to be calculated in their risks and i think that Lamelo is is the kind of guy that it's not like a wild um swing you know you're not just chopping at it uh and just swinging at a a pitch that's way high and outside Mm. if you know Lamelo's a pretty consensus top three, four guy by most scouts, even a guy like me who's skeptical of him somewhat, I have him third on my board. So it's not like you're taking a, a guy who like Alexi Pokashevsky, you know, at, at four. <laughs> Lamelo is, is a guy who's worth taking that swing. So uh, yeah, if, if there is a time for it and you know, he might be the guy, he might be the guy. Cause if it pays off, you're, you're looking at a real player. Yeah, definitely. I, I I look look at this draft and my thought process is I you know I have certain guys that I really do like in this draft, but I'm not necessarily gonna be too upset at whoever AK decides to take. Um outside like of Obi Toppin, I just feel like I don't as far as his his uh ceiling and like we already have a guy like Larry Markin and I feel like not necessarily that they're, they're you know, exactly the same type of player, but they're both kind of like that stretch for mm-hmm. uh, type of player that poor defense, they're considered offensive players, poor defense and so forth. And they both are about the same age. So I don't, I don't really, that, that would be the only pick that would really just kind of annoy me. But outside of that, I just look at this draft and, and that's my th- thought process on it is that I don't necessarily, you know, I won't get mad if he, whoever he goes with, do you personally have an a, like a preference on who the Bulls should take? Like, who do you currently have the Bulls taking, and what are your like as far as preferences on who they should go with? Um, man, I you know it's I think it's been hard to say who I would take just based on all the misinformation about which player each team likes but you know I think I've gone mainly with Denny of Diaz as the guy that I've kind of been felt really comfortable with and um I don't remember if the last time I was on the pod was before or after the lottery and we we were settled into our position but you know after the, the morning after the lottery you know probably the source that I trust most you know texted me and was like Denny's on the tables you know and and I've I've heard that the Bulls also really liked Denny. So uh, I, I've, I've gotten excited about him um, potentially being the guy, but, you know, I think there's a legit chance that Golden State really likes him as well. And, and who knows if they would take him at two or if they would try to trade back. You know, I, I don't know if there's so much out there, but I think Denny's kind of the guy that I've, I've kind of been like, all right, he's the realistic kind of option in our spot. I'm not much of a fit guy. 
but he does fit kind of what we need. You know, he, he is a, a really good playmaker and with Kobe and Zach, at least for this year, who knows what the future holds. He is a guy that you can kind of, you know, give him the ball and, and let Zach and Kobe get some reps off ball on the court together. You know, he'll run pick and roll with Wendell uh, crash into the hoop. He'll, you know, do pick and pop with Laurie. He, he, he is a great fit. Um, but if Lamelo drops, I've, I've really tried to resign my fat myself to the fact that he's a possibility. And I, I've really, started to get on board with it a little bit um you know i i, I like i said I, I have met three on my board for a reason even though i'm skeptical because for as much craziness and chaos that comes with him as a player there's also this you know kind of beautiful symphony that uh <laughs> that comes with it as well so yeah to me i think denny is probably the most realistic because i think if the bulls don't trade up i do think Lamelo will be gone um but uh, you know, if if that's not the case and Lamelo's there, I kind of think that he is the guy. I like Denny. I guess my concern is, and Salim kind of brought it up with Obi Toppin, is Denny is strictly a four to me, and I know there's a lot of a lot of people covet. I guess with the with the direction the league is going in, they covet these fours who can play at least multiple positions, whether it's a four who can slide over and play three or it's a four who can slide over and play five. And I know Denny is probably not going to be – he, he probably shouldn't be worse defensively than Lowry, but, like, what do you, what do you think overall about, about that? Like, is – I think Denny's a, going to be a solid player, but – do you think his lack of positional versatility really hurts him in the long run and really hurts the type of team that AK could really assemble with him in the lineup? Or do you think that's just kind of a non-issue? I personally think it's a non-issue. I mean, I have him as a guy who could play four, but I think he'll very early on in his career at least be slotted in as a three. Um, you know, he has very similar measurables to a guy like Jason Tatum. I think if, you know, you, you could have Tatum or Gordon Hayward kind of slide between the three and the four, I think he's the same kind of mold. You know, I, I do think he could uh, move his feet defensively well enough to kind of hold his own. And he's smart enough as a team defender that he'll be able to switch um, onto different positions in, in spurts. Uh, you know, I, as long as he doesn't hit some kind of weird growth spurt, uh, you know, I kind of think he's more of a three, four than kind of a four three um at least again for the for the first couple of years but i think his his kind of playmaking and guard skills allow him to to do that and you know he's a guy who does have at least a history of guarding you know the perimeter in the second best league in the world and um so to me i'm not really concerned about his positional versatility because i think that he is smooth enough as an athlete to kind of swing between the three and the four pretty seamlessly depending on you know what lineup we have rolling out there I definitely could see him playing some four next to Wendell um and I could certainly see him playing some four if you want to go offense next to Laurie but uh you know if you're just going straight up looking for you know the young core lineup with like Kobe Zach Danny Laurie Wendell I, I don't think that there's an issue with him uh putting him in there as a three now obviously not ideal for 
your defensive stopper when you're going up against the Kawhis and LeBron's and Paul George's or whatnot every night. But I'm not sure uh, in our draft spot if there's a guy who who is kind of um, readily available to do that. But I, I think he's just the best. He's going to be the best talent um, available. And I think with him, for me in particular, like I don't have any kind of thoughts of him being like a superstar player. I kind of think expectation wise, he's a guy that'll probably, you know, be in the conversation for a couple of all-star games, you know, kind of the same way that Luol was like, you know, you, you probably don't think of Luol as a, an all-star talent necessarily, but you know, he made it in, in the right circumstances. And if, you know, he had those years in a different year, he probably wouldn't have made it. And maybe he should have made a couple of more if, you know, his years were in other years. So I think he's one of those guys that it's like, it wouldn't shock me if he made two all-star games, wouldn't shock me if he was just hovering that line and, you know, was just a really solid player who contributed to winning basketball. But that's the thing with this draft is that outside of the Wiseman ball Edwards, there's not too many guys that I think are like, you can absolutely see the all-star caliber potential in them. And especially, you know, in where the bulls are, but to me, you, it's all about expectations with this draft. If you have realistic ex, uh, expectations, you might be really happy with the guy that you draft for, you know, whatever team uh, you like and you root for. But in particular, you know, as a Bulls fan, I've, I, I thought Denny's game was awesome. The minute I, I watched him and uh, you know, I, I think where people have the concerns the shooting and whatnot that I've never been concerned about that. It just, I have some other concerns about his left hand um, as a ball handler, but to me, his positional versatility is definitely not something I'm personally worried about. Okay. Uh, some, something we haven't really had a lot of conversation on um, lately uh, in our, at least in our, our, our show is the second round. Um, and with the bulls new regime, I feel like obviously AK and, and Mark Eversley will, have a more higher priority on finding, you know, trying to find at least some talent in that second round, especially with the way they've beefed up uh, scouting and player development. So I'm looking right now, the Bulls have the 44th uh, pick in the second round. I'm not sure if that's they're keeping that pick uh, or not. I, I, to, to be honest, I have not, I'm not sure what's going on with that pick, but they're currently they're currently at the four, at forty four, and there's some interesting guys there. The guys like Trey Jones, uh, potentially Grant uh, Riller. I don't know if he's climbing out into a late first rounder because I know he's been uh, a lot of a lot of draft uh, NBA draft people have been like on Twitter have been really talking him up. I think Richard Stamen, who we had on last, I've seen him really talk him up uh, as a guy that you know that's that has maybe decent potential. And obviously, there's some bigs like Udoka, Zabuki, um, and, and so forth. So, what are your thoughts on the second round um, as far as some guys that the Bulls could look at? I mean, there's a lot of talented guys in the second round that I think are kind of in that like upperclassmen, uh, and and they're not really getting the the love that they deserve. Some of them are, like you, you mentioned, Grant Riller, who's the guy that you know I was going to talk about. He's he's kind of the guy who has like a ready-made NBA scoring package, uh, you know, and if he wasn't as old as he was, he'd probably be a lottery pick, but you know, he can get buckets with the best of them. He, you know, there's some slight stuff with his jumper that you want him to work out, but outside of that, he, he really does have just that, the total package as a scorer. Um, so he's really interesting. And, and, you know, he is rising 
on draft Twitter, but you know, I think one of the things we have to realize is draft Twitter is not always the most accurate. You know, a lot of the and and Richard uh, is is great. He actually wrote a, a piece for my uh, my magazine, but um, a lot of guys on draft Twitter who talk him up, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to be a second round pick because he is super old. He's almost uh, 24 years old, but he's a guy definitely worth looking into as a guy who you could picture as like a, a scoring punch off the bench. Uh, my favorite option that I think is a little bit of a long shot, but there's a chance that he's there. I mean, he's mocked in the late 30, uh, early thirties, late twenties uh, is Malachi Flynn from San Diego state. Another kind of older guard, but um, just to me, he's solid in every area. As a point guard, he was uh, the defensive player um, of the year in the Mountain West Conference. He could stroke it off the dribble. He was uh, unreal in the pick and roll. And if he was there, I would I would just absolutely shed a tear. Um, <laughs> but then you know you got a guy like Cassius Winston, who again another guard, another point solid point guard who is an unbelievable shooter in spot-ups off the dribble, probably one of the three or four best pick-and-roll passers in the draft. Um, but again, he's an older guy. He's a little smaller, but he played at Michigan State, and he was just a winner, um, just knows how to win. But some of like the, the higher upside guys, um, Isaiah Joe, kind of a, a, a weird case because he's you watch his film and his shot is beautiful. He put up like eight a game, but he, he only shot it like, 36 percent but he's a guy that is kind of rising up boards we'll see if, if he's a first rounder or not but definitely a guy who has that potential as a movement shooter a little bit off the bounce so that you could see teams kind of falling in love with based on guys like Duncan Robinson having a lot of success but he might be there and um you know if we're really looking for a guy who could drop in and you look at the way that Denver drafted you know I think there's a chance that a guy like Jaden McDaniels could even be under consideration you know there's there's a chance that there's a lot of a noise on Daniels and maybe a team takes a shot on him much earlier even you know up into the back end of the lottery or, or the early uh 20s but you know there's also a chance that with the way teams uh or the way his his stock has dropped so drastically throughout the season that he's there in the second round that he's the kind of guy that is that kind of bull bull esque prospect who had the high lottery top five buzz preseason and then totally, you know, just dropped as, as the college season went along. So Jaden McDaniels is, is a guy that I'd probably keep an eye on based on kind of, uh, you know, how AK may or may not have drafted in Denver. Yeah. It should be interesting given what Denver has done with second round picks and undrafted free agents during AK's, uh, tenure there i mean definitely definitely something watched with the uh, second round pick uh one one more question before we uh get off the draft real quick is i've seen a lot of buzz for patrick williams lately i mean i know we talked about him before but it seems like his buzz keeps getting uh, louder by the day and there was a report that he's been in consideration for as high as four now again that High as four could just mean anything because nobody really knows what the Bulls are going to do. So just throwing as high as four out there is just really low hanging fruit. But what do you think about Patrick Williams? And is he as good to be in consideration for the number four overall pick? Or even if the Bulls may consider trading down into like the mid lottery, is he is he someone that they could target? 
Um, yeah, if they trade down, I could see it at four. No way. <laughs> no way. I have him 14th on my board. Um, but you know, there is a lot of untapped potential with him cause he's so young and he already is like a grown ass man. Like he is kind of the prototypical, um, like six, eight, six, nine long wingspan, really great, smooth feet. <laughs> it moves well laterally really protects the rim. I think his block percentage was over five. Um, so he's kind of that new age kind of small ball power forward that you definitely could see in a playoff series kind of switching out and, and playing multiple positions. Um, but man, four seems early. And, and I, like I said, I, I have him at 14. So his offensive package is, is really underdeveloped. So if you're drafting him, it's definitely kind of as a project, I think defensively, you know, he'll probably contribute, pretty quickly and and it's not like he's just a, a good man defender he, he's he's a really solid team defender too so i could see him getting on the court getting minutes but offensively you know he really has to work on that catch and shoot three-point shot um you know his his he's it's very slow <laughs> it's very slow it doesn't look like super wonky or anything but it also doesn't look super smooth um, you know, he gets good arc, it's soft touch, but he definitely, I think needs to work with a shooting coach to kind of alter it a little bit, uh, off the bounce, uh, you know, on the perimeter teams are just, if there's any kind of screen, teams are just going to go under and they're going to play off of them and they're going to make him prove that he can hit that shot because in college he had a really nice mid range game mm-hmm. and that he was able to get to really, really well. And you know, that's just not a shot that a lot of NBA teams are going to let a rookie take. And, you know, it's not going to stretch out to the three point line seamlessly as, as nice as it looks in the mid range. It's just, if he's, he was struggling at the the college line. So, you know, you move the distance back and uh, you know, he's just going to be a guy that you kind of get out and transition, um, you know, cut to the hoop, maybe some hustle plays crashing the offensive glass and whatnot. But four is way too early. If the bulls traded, you know, into the 10 range, I think I would be cool with taking him because he is a guy you could picture at the end of a game in a playoff series, given, you know, his defensive versatility, but uh, he's not, he's not really a guy that interests me much as a bulls fan. If I was a fan of some of the other teams, you know, I can get way on board with Patrick Williams because he's got a lot of potential. And I think he's the perfect kind of Spurs player. You know, if the Spurs can get him at 11, get him with Chip England, you know, he, he does have that kind of same quiet confidence that a guy like Kawhi had. Um, you know, maybe they can, they have, you know, experience turning guys like that into players, obviously. So maybe that's a good spot, but for the Bulls, I'm, I'm a little less enthused about him. Is something like a, a Jeremy Grant rule, something like that? Yeah. You know, I, I was, thinking of Jeremy Grant um you know I think he has a little bit more natural off the bounce game than Jeremy Grant Mm. does um or at least the potential to have that but again it's all contingent on him turning himself into a solid enough three-point shooter to make use of the rest of his off the bounce game but he's like you know he's got a better body than Jeremy Grant Jeremy Grant like great modern prototypical you know power forward kind of small ball center but Patrick Williams is like built like a like a brick house um so but definitely you know kind of similar type of potential and I I I think Patrick Williams potential is higher than that but I also don't know if he plays you know uh 
not that he doesn't play hard. He definitely plays hard, but you know, he doesn't like go out there like Westbrook where he's like, I'm taking the game by storm. He's very, let the game come to him. So I, as much potential as he has just from his physical gifts, I also don't know how willing he's going to be to be aggressive out on the court to make use of them. So Jeremy Grant might be a pretty good comp as far as like impact. It's just like mm-hmm. super, super role player that every team would love to have. Okay. So kind of transitioning since we've kind of been talking a little bit about how these players can be maximized. And of course, coaching is going to matter a lot in a draft like this. The Chicago Bulls have made some coaching moves for coaches to join uh, Billy Donovan staff. So they brought in uh, Mo Cheeks. And Mo Cheeks is obviously going to be really celebrated local uh, hometown man from Chicago. And they also brought in uh, Josh Josh Longstaff from the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So two pretty good uh, assistant coach hires. Now, granted, a year ago when we were talking about Roy Rogers and Chris Fleming, we also liked those hires as well. And we really don't know if they were as impactful as we were hoping they would be but these sound like really encouraging hires so i wanted to get your guys thoughts on uh, uh mo cheeks and josh longstaff do you think that they round out this coaching staff really well i'm sure there are going to be more, more additions but these seem to be be more noteworthy names so uh what are your thoughts on that i mean i'm excited you know <laughs> mo, like mo cheeks i mean he's a guy that every nba fan knows um you know, I think he's a guy that players really, really respect. And uh, that seems like what we need most. I think just with this whole staff, you know, I, I know we were excited about Fleming and Rogers last year. Mm. Um, but it, it all comes down to, I think it starts at the top. So Donovan being a guy that these players are going to respect to me, that's, that's number one. Um, and then you get, you know, like I said, a guy like Mo Cheeks and, Longstaff and all and anybody else who's going to be a part of the team as long as the players respect them and, and these are the kind of guys that the players will respect and to me you know they because of the success and the prolonged success that they've had and uh honestly I, I almost feel like you know these guys are going to have a new appreciation for coaching you know I feel like <laughs> after this whole fiasco from last year it's like just going to be a joy for them to have actual adults in the room um, who know how to speak to these players. Um, so I, I'm excited about it. I, you know, as far as what they're going to bring on a day-to-day basis, I guess that, you know, we'll see. But I, I just think from a respect standpoint, it's such a good hire for the players. And I'm sure they're as stoked as, as I think the fans are. Yeah, I think we finally... And since I think what 2011, 12, we have finally have a professional coaching staff. Uh, I, I think that's the you know biggest takeaway you can you can come come away from. Uh, obviously, hiring Billy Donovan, he was the first, um, obviously the first move, and then he brought in you know a couple of guys that obviously Maurice Cheeks that he has a relationship with, and I'm very excited about Mo Cheeks because obviously not only because he's a Chicago guy, but I feel like you know it doesn't. It can't hurt to have a Hall of Fame point guard, uh, you know, trying to help develop guys, the guys like Levine and um, Kobe, Kobe White, and and if they take Lamelo Ball as well, you know, having a guy like that on the staff is never a bad thing. Uh, obviously, I don't know enough about Longstaff yet, but 
obviously there is definitely a connection there with uh with Philadelphia, I think with no not Philadelphia, sorry, he's the uh the Bucks. Mm. Uh he had obviously had a lot of good uh experience, you know, behind uh Budenholzer. Obviously Budenholzer had some rough moments in the playoffs, but still he is knowledgeable and obviously knowledgeable at the game. So adding adding all these pieces, I think bringing back Chris Fleming, I obviously he took a bad rap last year with the offense not going as well. So, but you don't know how much give or take he had as far as what the Bulls were actually doing on offense after a while because we saw Jim Boylan being very stubborn. So maybe you know we find out that maybe it wasn't all him. Maybe it was a lot of him. Who knows? But. Yeah, I feel like, you know, looking at this coaching staff, I feel like we finally, in the end, we finally have a professional coaching staff. I think they've added also other player development uh, hires like that that are not necessarily part of the coaching staff. I don't know if they are, but in general, they're, they're people that are in charge of working with the young guys who, on, on different various aspects of their game. So overall, I feel like, you know, we have we have a good – thing going right now in, in in regards to who who's leading who's going to be leading the, this young team going into next season when was uh when was tom Thibodeau fired that was 2015 right yeah 2015 but i think his his assistants were like stripped down to like randy brown and like pete yeah. myers <laughs> so yeah. it was like it wasn't like we, he, he had basically a lot of gar packs you know moles on his bench i felt like yeah See, so essentially for the last five years, the Bulls have had below average coaching. And I think both of you guys hit the nail on the head that just having a professional coaching staff, just having a league average coaching staff is going to be a significant upgrade for this team. Like really significant. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people look at someone like Lowry Markkinen and say, okay, before we, like, before you even think about really trading him, let's see what he can do with a real coaching staff for better or worse. If he's bad, then it's just like, okay, we know what he is. We can move on from him. If he's good, then it's like, okay, we knew he was this good. Now it's confirmed. And now we can actually build this team with him. So it, it just has a really good all around benefit four of the players here and even like if you plan on taking a player who might have some character concerns and someone like Mo Cheeks who's really respected someone like Billy Donovan who seems to be really respected as well throughout the league and has had really good success with uh, young players at the professional and collegiate level so it's really encouraging overall and yeah I, I I like the moves and I think you mentioned the player development and how when Eversley and Karnishevis had their uh, introductory introductory presser, they were amazed that there was really only one player development coach here. So that could also pay dividends. So it, it's really it's really nice to see the moves that they've been making to the coaching staff and to the organization so far. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. Like I feel like I feel like before under John Paxton and Gar Foreman they always leaned so hard in one direction, right? Like it was, it was hire Scott Skiles, the, the hard nosed guy who's going to whip everyone into shape. And then it was like, eh, let's get Vinny Del Negro, the nice 
player-friendly coach, and it's like, eh, let's get Tom Thibodeau, a hard-nosed defensive guy. It's like, eh, let's get Fred Hoiberg. It feels like the coaching staff right now is just a really good balance, and it's a really good gray area, and it's it's coaches that can be respected. It's coaches who you can't really push over. It's coaches with experience, and it's coaches who are competent, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, pretty much. That everything you said, it's, it's it's spot on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that concludes this edition of Bulls Gold. Corey, thank you for dropping by again and blessing us with your draft knowledge. Can you let our listeners know what you're working on and where they can find you at? Where they can where they can read your uh, draft reports? Where they can watch your stuff? I mean, you have a lot going on, so just just fire away, man. Yeah, if you want to watch the uh, the scouting videos I do, those are all um, available on YouTube. Just search Hardwood Herald, uh, and you can go to like the playlist, and you can get all of them. I think I've done over 20 guys at this point. I'm hoping to maybe get another video or two out before the draft. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Hardwood Herald. And, uh, you know, one of the things I just re- – I just released a magazine called The Hardwood um, that, that was all focused on the NBA draft. Uh, there's like 44 pages of draft content and includes my big board. Um, I got a lot, a lot of really great writers. Like you said, uh, you mentioned uh, Richard earlier. He, he wrote for it, uh, just a bunch of really great guys who cover multiple teams and, you know, bring different perspectives to the game. Um, and then, uh, it sold out the physical copies, but you could still get the PDF version. So, you know, it's on my pinned tweet on Twitter at Hardwood Herald. You can go to hardwoodherald.com and find it. Um, I'm hoping to do some more issues of it, maybe maybe like a, a quarterly thing. And uh, maybe they'll, you know, touch on college prospects here and there. And maybe as uh, the year goes on with the NBA season, well, it'll be a little bit more NBA focused. But this past one was all NBA draft. So if you're if you're trying to do your your research on it, it's a really good resource if you don't have time to watch like, uh, you know, I don't know. You could probably spend an entire day on my YouTube watching these prospects <laughs> videos. So if you just want to like bang out some reading, um, with some really cool art, that'll take you back to like saved by the bell, NBA inside stuff, Nickelodeon, like 90 skateboard magazines. Um, definitely check out the PDF. It's two bucks. Um, and, uh, it's a really cool project. So yeah, that's, that's kind of everything that I've been, uh, working on, uh, and uh man feels like i've been working on this stuff forever and i'll be excited <laughs> when i can move on to the next class digging a work ethic man work ethic right now is really really good man <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> appreciate it appreciate yeah. it <laughs> you're doing a lot of great stuff man it's it's been crazy a uh, year for you in general i know you had that nice little uh i think it um expose i don't know what it was with uh new york times was it or or post i can't remember it was Newsday. Newsday, Newsday. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that they're like one of the bigger uh, newspapers in New York. So that was yeah, kind yeah. of a, you know that that was a blessing, um, which just happened to work out because of COVID and there was nothing else to write about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got lucky, but it was really cool. And I, um, you know, it definitely led to some other kind of opportunities um, as well. So I was really grateful that happened. Steve Hopper. Uh, from Newsday wrote the article and yeah, uh, yeah. really grateful to him and, and, and the, the whole the whole newspaper. 
All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it was lucky. I think you, I think you earned that. Uh, mm. You, you did, you did, a, you've done a very nice job of creating your brand and and trying to make it grow. And I think you know, going to your website, everything. It's very, it's very nicely. You know, everything's put together, and you have a lot of great information on there. Um, as far as you know, a lot with the draft and watching your videos. You know, I learn a lot about some of these prospects uh, when I go through and. The, the things that you put together so for sure man everything that you've done uh th- that you've built up it's been pretty awesome yeah no doubt man well thank you guys i, I appreciate you guys a lot i do yeah no doubt so check out Corey's stuff follow him at hardwood herald and check out his magazine as well and please check out the videos the videos are always great and i love the art i like how you described it too nickelodeon like Save by the bell 90 like it's the flavor of it is just really dope so check out Corey's stuff man just check it all out salim any final thoughts before we head out no final thoughts just you know i'm excited uh we, we've been behind, without bulls basketball since march <laughs> and which mm-hmm. seems like like you know years ago but we're gonna we're gonna have it back soon here we're gonna have more new uh news as far as with the draft and what they'll be interesting, what they do in free agency. Obviously, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that uh, down mm-hmm. the line. But yeah, just excited to you know, have more basketball back, have Bulls basketball back soon, and we'll see how everything uh, turns out. Yeah, draft week is going to be really exciting. It, it It's weird, though, because I mean, even though the draft is coming up, it, just because of a different time, it doesn't really feel like it doesn't still, it still doesn't have that like same draft aura. I don't know. Like it doesn't have that. But I mean, with all the news and rumors like gradually coming out, like it'll it'll start to get there. But I'm excited to see where the uh, Bulls go with that fourth overall pick, and we'll be back here to discuss it right here on Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. If you missed any of our past shows, check us out on Spotify, check us out on Podbean, check us out on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you later, Bulls fans. <laughs>